You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in. A lot to get to on a special weekend edition of the podcast today. We do a two-part preview edition starting today and continuing into tomorrow's podcast. Today we will talk about BYU's defense facing off against the Navy offense. It's going to be an interesting battle between these two. Can BYU prove that they're capable enough to stop the Navy offense? We'll talk about that. We'll also continue with our player countdown series. Just two numbers remaining. Number one today, number zero tomorrow. We'll get to all of it on today's edition of the show. Without further ado, let's get to it here. Special edition of the Locked On Cougars podcast begins right now. What's up, my friends? This is Jay Catch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. I work for the Zone Sports Network in Salt Lake City, Utah. A big thank you once again for joining us on a special weekend edition of the podcast. Reminder for you guys that this podcast aims to be your one-stop shop for all the BYU sports news you need to know about each and every day as well as passing along insider tidbits that you will not find anywhere else. So make sure to hit that follow or subscribe button wherever you're listening in from. We are available on all the major podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, pretty much anywhere and everywhere you can get a podcast you can find us. So big thank you once again for your continued support. All right, we are getting ready for BYU and Navy just a day away, and we're going to talk today about BYU's defense as they try and slow down what has been at times a dominant Navy offense. And the question mark, I think, for Navy this year is the lack of experience at quarterback. Outside of that, I feel like there's a retooled offensive line that BYU hopefully can take advantage of. But the other positions, wide receiver, fullback, slot backs, there are proven options there for the Naval Academy. But obviously, the quarterback has to be a big key cog in the triple option scheme, that flexbone scheme that Navy likes to use. And Dalen Morris takes over as the starting quarterback. And this is a guy who had a meteoric rise of the depth chart after seeing only five games of action in his entire career at the Naval Academy. There's one interesting thing here about Dalen Morris. I think it's going to be interesting to see how it affects BYU. Is This is a kid that didn't run a triple option scheme in high school. He played in Huntsville, Alabama, was a dual threat, drop back passing quarterback. And how much will that affect what Ivan Jasper, the offensive coordinator at the Naval Academy, does against BYU in the rest of this year? I know that we're only really worried about BYU tomorrow night. But this could introduce, I think, a new look into the Navy offense. If you have watched Academy football for the past three or four years, both at the Air Force Academy, Army West Point, and at Navy, Navy's actually held true, I think, to the true flex bone more than most teams. And that's a credit to what they've had running the offense for them the past few years. They've had great athletes who have been true uh, option quarterbacks who absolutely are just ripping people up in the option. Dalen Morris, though is a guy who's going to bring a new element. And as we've seen from Army West Point, as well as the Air Force Academy in recent years, they've introduced some flex, uh, what we'd call a spread option attack, where they actually flex into a shotgun formation and run the option out of that and also pass a little bit out of it. Could we see that from Army tomorrow night? I think it is a possibility, and that means BYU's defense has a whole other element that they have to be ready for when they face off against the midshipmen. That's going to make an important uh key to keep an eye on with the BYU secondary. And if I haven't gotten to this enough on the podcast recently, I can tell you right now, BYU secondary is extremely beaten up. 
Guys like Chris Wilcox have not been cleared to practice with the team yet. I don't think he made the trip to Navy. I don't think D'Angelo Mandel made the trip as well. He's dealing with a knee injury. Those are your two presumed starters at cornerback for BYU. The cornerbacks I expect to be in action tomorrow night and my starters that I would project, and I'll have a write-up for this on the Cougs Daily Substack newsletter for you as well. I expect the starting cornerbacks tomorrow night for BYU to be Troy Warner and Keenan Ellis. The backups behind them, you're probably wondering, okay, who's there? Well, I'd actually say it's going to be Hayden Livingston and Shimon Willis will be your backup cornerbacks. This is a very beat-up unit across the entire defensive secondary for BYU, and I think that they're going to have their work cut out for them. You're probably wondering, okay, Troy Warner was slotted to play at safety, Jake. Well, who's starting at safety? It's going to be Zane Anderson and uh, uh, Chaz Audio, excuse me. Chaz and Zane will be kind of running things from the safety spot. And all four of those guys, speaking of Troy Warner, Keenan Ellis, as well as Zane Anderson and, and uh, Chaz Ayu, well, they have to be aware of what Navy can pose in the passing game tomorrow night, even as they try and deal with a triple option scheme. Navy has a big-time receiver, I feel like, in Michael Cooper. Six foot five, 220-pound athlete from San Antonio, Texas. This is a guy who averaged 21.1 yards per reception a year ago. He only caught uh, 18 passes in the entire season, so let's be clear on that, for 380 yards. But he had two touchdowns. He had a long on the season of 58 yards. When they threw the ball to this kid, he made big plays out of it, and BYU's got their work cut out for them. So we're going to find out... a real early, I think, in this game, how Navy's going to attack BYU. And I think part of it is going to be going to the air more often than they've shown in the past. Additionally, at uh, Navy, they're going to run the flex bone. There's no doubt about it. They have one of the best fullbacks I have seen in some time in academy football in Jamel Carruthers. I think he's a fantastic athlete, and he's going to be a guy BYU's got to be aware of. Five foot nine, 203 pound bowling ball from Bowling Green, Kentucky, and pardon the pun on that. He is a guy who is going to absolutely cause fits for BYU if they cannot bottle him up. Greg Rubel last night on social media was doing some film study and put out a a clip of Jamel Carruthers where he takes a fullback dive, breaks through the Houston defensive line, and was off to the races 75 yards for a touchdown. This is a guy with legitimate speed, and he is going to be an important key for BYU to slow down. If BYU cannot stop the dive man, they're going to struggle all night long. And the dive man is a guy like Jamel Carruthers, the fullback in the triple option scheme for Navy. He is the key because he is the first option in the triple option. The quarterback takes the snap. He looks to hand the ball off to the fullback. If he sees the right read there, he hands it off. And they will do that over and over again until BYU's defense proves they can stop it. After that, it becomes on Dalen Morris in the triple option to take the ball. Then he has a pitch man that he can pitch it to or he can keep it. BYU has to play to their assignments. It, it, it's imperative. It, it cannot be expressed more than it already has been expressed probably in all the different articles and podcasts you've heard that BYU has to play assignment sound defense. If you guys watched yesterday, and I'm sure some of you did, trying to get a scouting report on what Army's going to look like for BYU in, what, 12 days away after this game against Navy, Army just absolutely carved up Middle Tennessee State. Middle Tennessee could not stop the dive man, and as such, he had three touchdowns in the first half, and it was just off to the races. It was a 42 nothing route of the Blue Raiders for Army. 
BYU has to prove that they can stop the dive man in this scheme. But I do think that the passing ability of Dalen Morris is going to offer a new element for Navy to attack BYU with tomorrow. Michael Cooper, six foot five, two hundred and twenty pounds. Well, guess what? Troy Warner, as well as Keenan Ellis. Hopefully, you guys are ready to hold up in the passing game because if you're not, they're going to throw it up and over the top of you all night long, and it could be a long night for the BYU defense. Do I think BYU's defense is going to struggle against the run like they did a year ago? I think they're going to have to prove early on in this game that they are better defense. I've, they've been working on this. They've been practicing against the triple option scheme for weeks now. You would hope that they're up to speed on this. But until you see it in live action, where you have a team like the caliber of Navy who's running the triple option at you, I don't think you can truly get a good read for it until you see it in live action. It is going to be important for BYU's defense to be able to get Navy off the field, keep them behind the sticks. Uh, yesterday on the Army game is actually an interesting tidbit that I heard from Ross uh, Tucker, who was actually the color analyst for the game on CBS Sports Network. He talked about the fact that in uh, Army's parlance, on first down, getting two yards is actually a loss. Three yards is a stalemate, and anything beyond that is a win. And that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to stay ahead of the sticks is what they like to call it. If you can get four or more yards on first down in option football, well, that makes second and third down so much easier for you because you don't have to necessarily think about what you're going to do. You're going to run the option again. You might have to run a reverse. You might run a dive up the middle. It gives you the playbook. It opens the playbook up. If BYU on first down can force tackles for loss, limit it to one or two yard gains, then it becomes more difficult for Navy to get first downs. This is a game, it's a chess match like no other when you go up against the option offenses. Navy runs it among the best. There's a reason why they won 10 games a year ago. And I know that they have a new quarterback. Malcolm Perry was the quarterback a year ago who was just absolutely stellar running the option. But Dalen Morris, if he is believed in by this coaching staff, you can guarantee that they have something up their sleeve that they're going to use against BYU. And it's the Cougars' job to slow that down. Am I excited for this game? Absolutely. Am I terrified to see what BYU's defense looks like against the option? Also true. I just feel like BYU's defense has been well-schooled in this at this point, and hopefully all of that work they have done in the lead-up to this game pays off. We'll talk a little bit more here in a minute about some of the personnel notes I've had on BYU's defense as we get closer and closer to this game. But before we do that, though, a reminder for you guys, leave us a rating and review on this podcast. It really does help us build this podcast. You guys have been fantastic. Our download numbers have never been stronger in the lead up to this game. But I would encourage you guys, if you have family or friends who want to know more about the Cougars and are into podcasts, or even if they're not, let them know that this is a daily stop that they can get all of the BYU sports talk they want to know about. And it can be done in a workout. You can do it while you're commuting to work if you're still doing such a thing. We aim to make it your one-stop shop for all the BYU sports news you need to know about. And today it's a preview edition. If you want to be the most well-versed BYU fan on the Navy triple option that I can possibly bring to you, well, we're going to do that for you. So make sure to let them know that you know about this podcast and also leave us a rating and review. Those five-star ratings are worth their weight in podcast gold. And I can't thank you guys enough for your continued support of us here on the Locked On Cougars podcast. All right, guys, let's talk a little personnel for BYU as they get ready for this game tomorrow night against the Naval Academy. In looking at this and talking with our practice insiders, BYU's actually got multiple ways they're going to try and attempt to stop this Navy option attack. They've actually practiced with both a three-man and a four-man front. And I know that when I say three-man front, you're probably freaking out. Are they doing the rush three drop AJ? No, they're not doing that. But they've actually had some success, it sounds like, in speaking with our practice insiders, playing with a three-four alignment 
on BYU's defense. It's going to be a different look than it has been at any point during uh, Kalani Satake's tenure. You're going to see Kairos Tonga stay on the field at all points. I can guarantee you that. He's going to be out there. You're going to also see Zach Daw and Brackenell Bakery as the quote-unquote defensive ends in that three-man alignment. And I know that those are two bigger-bodied defensive linemen, but it gives BYU a lot of guys along that front line who have proven capable of stuffing the run. If they need to put a fourth man in there, the fourth man into the game, if they want to change to, I guess, what you'd call a 4-3 alignment, it's Lorenzo Fawatea. But you're going to see BYU switch up the fronts and try and confuse Navy's offensive line. And this is a rebuilt Navy offensive line. Three of their five starters graduated a year ago. The left side of the line is still the one that's very much in flux. And that's where BYU, I feel like, if they're going to blitz in this game and try and attack things, I'd go against that left side of the Navy offensive line. They have experience. There's no doubt about that. These are guys who are well-versed in what they're running on offense, but they're also going against, I think, really good athletes in BYU's defensive line. I think Bracken Bakri, Zach Daw, Lorenzo Fawatea, Kairos Tonga, all four of them are guys who I think are more than capable of two-gapping to an effective degree. It's imperative that BYU, and I know I use the term two-gapping right there, what it means is a guy like Kairos Tonga, let's say he's playing nose tackle in a 3-4 alignment. Well, he's head up on the center on the opposing team, and that center is going to traditionally have a blocking assignment on Kairos Tonga with that. Well, Kairos is going to engage with that center, and then Kairos has to have the ability to feel where the other offensive lineman, because he's traditionally going to get double teamed at some point on either side by a guard, and Kairos has to feel that pressure from the other offensive lineman and fight into where that offensive lineman is trying to make him go. That's what two-gapping is all about. It's also going to be important for guys like Zach Daw and Brackenell Bakri, whether they're playing a traditional defensive end or they're playing more of that uh, three-technique defensive tackle in a 3-4 alignment to have a similar type of feel. You have to be able to read where the pressure is coming from because that's exactly where Navy is going to run the ball. They don't hide it. They will traditionally always tell you exactly where where they're going to go with their blocking scheme, but you have to fight against it because they're absolutely going to cut block these defensive linemen if they can't get them out of the hole. Guys like Kairos Tonga, they're going to be very sore after this game. And it's nice that they're going to have a 12-day gap between games because you're going to need some time to get these guys off their feet and really help them heal up before they face off against another Army team on uh, September 19th. But I look at this game, and BYU has their work cut out for them. I really do look at this, and I think that the defensive line for BYU, having multiple fronts where you can throw a three-man front out there, a four-man front with guys like Alden Tofa in more of a traditional 4-3 front, is going to help the Cougars. I like what I'm hearing out of practice that BYU is mixing things up. They're not going with just a one-size-fits-all attack and hoping that is the answer for them. At linebacker, you're probably wondering who's out there. Well, if they go with the four-man alignment, and you probably you guys have seen on the depth chart, they have the Cinco, the Jack, all these different positions. In this type of a game, you're going to see multiple guys playing multiple roles. But I think that the four linebackers you're going to see chiefly on the field consist of guys like Keenan Peely, Pepe Tonovasa, who's a guy who actually came from the Naval Academy, who's facing off against some of his classmates there at Navy, Peyton Wilgar, and Isaiah Kafusi. Those are more of your tried and true traditional linebackers for BYU, and they will be called upon to help Kairos Tonga and whoever else is along that defensive line slow the pitch man. They have to come up and be sure-handed tacklers and be able to step into that hole and make a tackle on that dive man. They have to be able to blitz at times. They have to make sure that they bottle things up. If they don't, Navy is going to carve BYU up just like we saw Middle Tennessee do to Army. 
it is imperative that the front seven, uh, either it's a 3-4 or 4-3 alignment, no matter how they line up for BYU, it is imperative that they get out there and they absolutely do what they're supposed to do. They need to do their assignments. Guys like Akeem Peely, who's more of an outside linebacker, well, his role is going to be also to read for that dive man and then follow where the quarterback goes because they have to force the action with the quarterback. The technical term for what I'm talking about here is actually called trusting your eyes, trusting your reads, and that's what BYU's defense is going to need to focus on in this game because if they don't, Navy is going to use the razzle-dazzle as much as they do to really confuse BYU's defense, and all of a sudden you're going to have a fullback running 40 yards downfield or a pitch man, a slot back, breaking open for a 20-yard gain. BYU has to be able to show that, you know what, we are not going to allow you guys to really do your bread and butter type of stuff. You're going to see options. You're going to see reverses. You're going to see passing plays from Navy, but you're going to see them traditionally rely on that dive man, that fullback, Jamel Carruthers, the chief among them. He's going to be the linchpin for everything that Navy does in tomorrow night's game. If BYU goes out there and proves that, you know what, you are not going to do this to us, that's going to force Navy to start second-guessing and questioning what they're doing and really start having to say, oh, you know what, we need to revamp our attack. I like how BYU has prepared for this game, but they are beaten up in this secondary. I, I feel like if BYU wants to win this game, they're going to have to make sure they shut down the run. And then at that point, you have to hope that BYU secondary holds up if Navy starts trying to throw it a little bit more. This is a quarterback in Dalen Morris who has the ability to throw the football, I think, more than most quarterbacks in recent memory for Navy have had. But he does have an experience. He's only played five games. If BYU can make his life hard, it could be a goal. It could go a long way for BYU in having a chance to win this game. As I mentioned earlier on, the defensive secondary for BYU extremely beaten up. The frontline guys are all guys you would expect to really be good players, and that means that it's cornerback BYU's got Keenan Ellis as well as Troy Warner, who I expect to start tomorrow night. Also at safety, Chaz Ayu and Zane Anderson. They're your top two safeties in this game. I think all four of those guys, proven options, you shouldn't have to worry about them. Behind that, though, that's the real scary thing for BYU. You're now relying on a bunch of walk-ons to provide the depth for BYU. Shanmon Willis should be a top backup for BYU at defensive back. I think he's on scholarship now, but he's a former walk-on, a transfer from Weber State. Also, Hayden Livingston will play some at both safety and cornerback. Traditionally, probably going to play more some, some more cornerback than at safety, and one other guy at cornerback to keep an eye on is Caleb Christensen. He's going to be a guy that's going to help BYU in the return game, but they're also going to have him as a defensive back who's a backup option for the Cougars. Then at safety, ooh, it gets real dicey real quick. Guys like Jared Capisi as well as George Udo have seen time as backups at the safety spots behind both uh, Chaz Ayu and Zane Anderson, but you're just not looking at a lot of depth back there. Also, you have guys like... Uh, uh, a Tavita Gagne, who is a walk-on traditionally, he's running as one of the top backups at safety. It is not a good situation for BYU secondary right now. They have a lot of guys who did not make the trip to Annapolis. Guys like Chris Wilcox, who's not been cleared yet. D'Angelo Mandel, those are your top two cornerbacks on BYU's depth chart. Neither of them, based on what I'm hearing, are in Annapolis. They stayed home here in Provo and did not make the trip out there to Maryland. So, 
it is going to be very interesting to see how BYU goes about really revamping this defense and really altering things to fit what they're trying to do when they slow down Navy, but additionally protect the secondary from any potential big plays. As I mentioned earlier on, Michael Cooper, 6'5", 220 pounds. Well, BYU, I don't think, has a true guy out there that you think, you know what, that's going to lock him up. I would think that you probably put Troy Warner on him because Troy has the ability, I think, to play more of a safety type of position than in corner traditionally, but it is going to be imperative. It's very important for BYU to really protect this secondary from any big plays down the field. And the secondary as well is going to have to have a big role when it comes to defending this triple option. So hopefully I helped you guys out a little bit as you look towards what to expect tomorrow night. I think the inexperience of Dalen Morris, a quarterback, is a big factor in this game. He's only played in five games. He made a jump from third on the depth chart to starter, surprisingly, over most people's expectations. Can BYU confuse him and make his first start one he'd rather forget? That's what you hope. But I do like the fact that BYU has a significant size advantage on the defensive line against the Navy offensive line. As it stands, and this comes from a cool thing, actually. If you haven't seen this, Wes Mashburn, he's a guy, big BYU fan. You actually can email him about this, cougators at gmail.com, C-O-U-G-A-T-O-R-S at gmail.com. He sends out weekly what he calls the pre-snap read, where he gives you a look at what he's expecting from BYU. And he mentioned in the tell of the tape, BYU's defensive line actually has a pretty significant size advantage over Navy's offensive line. That's what you would expect. But Navy's offensive line averages six foot two, 278 pounds, whereas West lists here that BYU's defensive line averages a healthy six foot four, 294 pounds. You're going to see this defensive line have their work cut out for them, but I do like the fact that BYU's got a lot of athletes there on the interior, especially Kairos Tonga. You'd like to see the Kairos Tonga you saw against USC a year ago and really just make things miserable for Navy on the interior of their line. So there you go. Some of my thoughts and most of my thoughts on BYU trying to defend this option against Navy tomorrow night. If Dalen Morris's experience of in terms of overall playing comes into effect, it'd be go a long way to helping BYU win this game. If they can make him uncomfortable, really make him question what he's doing out there, it would help the Cougars immensely. Of course, getting a turnover or two would help out a lot as well. So I really look at this as a big opportunity for BYU's defense, I think, to exercise some of the demons from a year ago that I think dogged them. I think a lot of BYU fans are worried that after last year where BYU seemingly could not stop opposing rushing attacks, they're worried about this game. I think this is a much better prepared BYU defense than we've seen previously, and we'll find out tomorrow night. All right, we will come back. We'll get to one other thing on today's special edition. That is the best player to have won the number one in a BYU uniform. Who is it? We'll break that down here in just a moment on the Locked On Cougars podcast. All right, as we wrap things up here on a special edition of the podcast, let's get to our player countdown poll. Our final, or not our final one, our penultimate one, we'll get to number zero tomorrow because there are plenty of candidates for that number. Maybe not in BYU football, considering the number just became a legal number just this year, but we'll talk about the best player to have worn the number zero tomorrow on the show. But number one today had a great list of finalists and actually one of our closer polls that we've had at any point during this entire run of 100-day countdown to BYU football. 
So our finalists were former BYU wide receiver Todd Watkins, former BYU linebacker Jordan Pendleton, former BYU cornerback Omar Morgan, and former BYU running back Brian McDonald, or Brian McDonald Ashford, as some of you might remember him in a BYU uniform. And we had a really tight vote between three of these guys, speaking of Watkins, Pendleton, and Omar Morgan. Pendleton pulled away in the end with 36.3% of the vote to win the fan vote. Todd Watkins in second place, 32.9%. Omar Morgan, 28.1%. And Brian McDonald, 2.7%. And I have to say... I had a hard time deciding between our top three guys because I think all three of them could lay claim as the best to have worn this number in BYU history. But I ultimately went with the fan vote. I picked Jordan Pendleton, excuse me, and I did that based both on production as well as what might have been had his health held up for Jordan. He's now a trainer here locally in the state of Utah, working with a lot of high school athletes as well as plenty of BYU athletes. But Jordan, when he was right, was among the most athletic and the best linebackers that BYU has ever seen. I remember some of the more acrobatic interceptions that he had as a BYU Cougar, was a guy who was just a general pet all over the field for opposing offenses and as such we're picking Jordan Jordan Pendleton as the best Cougar to have worn the number one in BYU football history and like I said Todd Watkins one of the true great deep threats in BYU football history Omar Morgan what his nickname was the blanket if I'm not mistaken uh, in 1996 one of the best cover corners BYU has ever seen really was the hero of the Cotton Bowls he sealed that game with an interception And Brian McDonald, for his own credit, was a great running back. Didn't get the same due that I think guys like Luke Staley did because he played in the shadow of guys like Staley. So all these guys, great players. But Jordan Pendleton, our pick today, is the best Cougar to have worn the number one. All right, that'll do it for today's edition of the show. A big thank you once again for your continued support of the podcast. Another second part preview edition of the podcast tomorrow, looking at BYU's offense going against a very aggressive Navy defense. What does BYU need to do on offense to come out with the win tomorrow night? We'll also give you my score prediction, my game prediction on tomorrow's podcast as well. So get ready, folks. Tomorrow night is the night we have made it. BYU football is back. Have a great rest of your day whenever you hear this. This has been the Locked on Cougars podcast for September 6th, 2020.